All right. Hello and welcome, everyone, to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Peter Wesley Salmon. I hope you're all doing good down in the G-Town, Royal City, True mm-hmm. 519-226. Go Griffs. <laughs> Is that all the references you don't want that, to... I could, that I could think of? Yeah, you don't want to shout out anyone at Cornerstone. No, no, okay. <laughs> they actually renovated Cornerstone in the last year, so you might be surprised if you go down there. So uh... Uh, gentrification is it the is it the same prices and everything? Is it the same style? Uh, I honestly haven't been in there since they renovated. <laughs> okay. I I only I only went there for the dank. You see, yeah. Yeah, I it's went to Scrabble. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, that's good. I don't, they, they, I think they do still have the board games and stuff there, so you, they, they've held on to that tradition anyway. Okay. All right, and credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at three p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies. Which this week will be the new romantic comedy, Somebody I Used to Know, which you can now stream on Amazon Prime and only on Amazon Prime. It is uh, Prime exclusive. Um, for the first half of the show, uh, we're not going to talk about board games. That's another show on CFRU, Android's Dungeon. We don't uh, we don't cross the streams. But uh, so, somebody I used to know is directed by, as we will discuss shortly, James Franco, and it is stars his wife, Dave, Alice- Dave Franco. What did I say? He said James Franco. Oh damn! All right, yeah, Dave <laughs> Franco. Thank you. Good correction. <laughs> uh we're not allowed to talk about james franco anymore i don't think but uh yeah dave franco yeah yeah we'll we'll cut it out don't worry um james (laughs) dave franco dave franco dave franco oh he just appeared um so dave franco directed it uh you know the thing is james franco is also a director but anyway moving on dave franco directed it it stars his wife allison brie and they are um, as a, a couple and they co-wrote the script together. And so it got us thinking about great or maybe not so great or who knows uh, filmmaking couples. So, you know, th- these are relationships where a director or uh, who can either be the, the husband or the wife. And we may get into that shortly um, is directing their significant other um in in the film not as maybe not necessarily screenwriting this is an unusual partnership because um they they write the script together and then she stars and he directs and this is a a couple of times i've done this now um but this is an interesting field i mean i think and uh so we're dedicating the first oh very very interesting field it's so uh similar to uh nepo babies right but slightly different slightly different (laughs) helping each other out but uh peers not their kids so it's fine yeah, it's it, it's it's less icky than the whole Nepo baby phenomenon. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, um, I mean, also you know, re- relationships are complicated, and you know, maybe you don't want to go to work with your wife or husband. Um, maybe you want to have like sort of that church and state feeling. My work is my work, and my home life is my home life. And you know, maybe you know you don't feel particularly great taking orders from your significant other on set or giving Honestly, like <laughs> i i thought about that myself how difficult it must be i guess though like in this case they might both be the kind that like wants an artist so like 
it, this is also like not just something difficult, but also that they want, you know, that they're getting from their spouse. But mm. uh, I myself am married and I cannot fathom doing like a whole <laughs> whole film with my wife. I love it very much, but there'd be, yeah, there'd be a lot of, a lot of arguments and ones I don't wouldn't want to have. So I, I, I definitely, I got mad respect for old uh, Franco and Brie. Uh, may I ask, and maybe this is too personal, but uh, is this about uh, you can't take orders from her or she can't take orders from you? Uh, I think we're, we're both just very stubborn, but no, I'll take orders from her and vice versa, but we're, we're <laughs> okay. stubborn. So sometimes like we won't at the same time take each other's or like, I don't know. It's just, there'll be a lot of drama, I think. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so we've each kind of prepared three filmmaking couples that we're going to highlight here. So, Peter, who do you have uh, first on deck? Uh, OK, so for me, um, just because it's uh, the Nepo baby thing has been going on. Uh, I chose Windfall, which we reviewed because <laughs> it's directed by uh, Charlie McDowell and starring uh, Lily Rose Depp. So I uh, it's Nepo and it's a couple. You mean Lily Collins? Make a film. T- yeah, Lily Collins. Phil Collins is right. Right. My apologies. I I did what you did with James Franco. <laughs> I a know of, a lot of Lilies. <laughs> yeah. So Phil Collins' uh, daughter mm. too. So uh, that mixed together. Um, unfortunately, this also why it's my first example was not. Uh, it didn't turn out so well. Uh, I believe we reviewed it, and mm-hmm. I think the fact that I don't fully remember that is is a sign that it was not of a high. Uh, high quality uh mm. it's too bad because i love uh jason siegel and his current uh, show with harrison ford um mm. and uh, you know i like malcolm mcdowell uh and <laughs> i like i don't really like phil collins i like in the, the air tonight it's the, the, that one part of it's cool i love the commercial remember the commercial with the gorilla <laughs> that was yes. sweet so even though there's two positives there when it comes to the director and star uh yeah it just overall was pretty pretty bland so i think this might be one of the examples where they're not doing it for the art they're doing it for each other and it just doesn't work out in that way Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. but i do want to say windfall there's worse films i don't think it was the worst i saw last year there was definitely a few more um you know it was near the bottom it was near the bottom uh grindelwald the i think that came out last year uh it was worse so there you go there you go mr mcdowell uh, but yeah, overall, very disappointing film. And uh, yeah, by Malcolm McDowell's kid starring his wife. Who's Phil Collins' daughter. Exactly. Lily Collins. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, quick trivia question. Uh, do you remember the commercial that that was done for? The gorilla playing in the air tonight? Um, Duracell? No, it wasn't Duracell. It was Cadbury's. Oh, really? I don't like Cadbury's. <laughs> I kind of I love that commercial. I kind of <laughs> wish I never knew. <laughs> I uh, I actually remember seeing it for the first time in Guelph at the bookshelf back when it did the uh, best commercials of the year festival. I don't know if you oh, ever went to that. I did. I love yeah, that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, bookshelf, if you're listening, Mr. Bookshelf, uh, bring it back. <laughs> that was a request to Mr. Bookshelf. Um, all right. <laughs> My first pick is um the, again, you know, like uh Windfall with the, the the McDowell Collins combo. They don't make great movies necessarily, but I think they're an interesting couple. 
And I think that they clearly work well together because they can't stop working together. It is Paul W.S. Anderson and Mila Jovovich who do the Resident Evil movies together. You come here to gloat? My satellites show there are 4,472 humans remaining on the surface of the Earth. They will cease to exist in under 48 hours. What do you want from me? You want me to say that you've won? You've wiped out humanity. No, quite the opposite. I want you to stop me. To stop me. I want you to stop me. Behind you. And uh, the reason why I think this is interesting, and I'm going to tilt into sort of other things that they've done together as well, but, you know, they met on Resident Evil and have... I think he did four out of the six as director and then wrote the other two. So he's very clearly invested in like getting the best out of her. And I think he understands Mila Jovovich's appeal as like a really great physical actress. And I, I, I'm not sure if tomboy is kind of like an acceptable term anymore, but I think that sort of fits Mila Jovovich, who's obviously a, a very beautiful woman, but mm. Um, she has such great physicality to her and she doesn't mind getting like dirty and grimy. I think in another universe, maybe not another universe, maybe in this one, if somebody's listening and want to do this, I think she is probably right for like a John wick like series where she, it's just like all her doing action for an hour and a half <laughs> or three hours since the running time for John wick four is like almost four, three hours long, apparently. Um, but she is what's really four, what's four hours long john wick john wick four is almost three hours long oh my goodness yeah yeah think about that uh the first first john wick is 100 minutes but getting back to mila jovovich um she she is uh really great at the stunt work at the fight choreography uh you can tell that it's her um she seems to be down for anything and like she doesn't mind getting dirty too and like all like a lot of those later films um, are about just like her getting like grimy and being in the muck and covered in blood and and just you know uh, being a badass and I think that Paul W. Anderson loves that about her and gets it and wants her to be as grimy as she can be and just get in there and show her stuff and I think that's reflected in Monster Hunter as well where she plays like an army captain um, but also in I think it's criminally underrated um, as sort of like a B picture, but the uh, Paul W.S. Anderson's 3D Three Musketeers. Um, I have a lot of affection for that movie, and in that she plays Milady de Winter, and so she's obviously wearing like the full, the full regalia and the powder wigs and things. But she wears this with like this kind of disdain of like this like model of of femininity from like a backwards time that whenever she gets to bust out and do action in that movie it feels like a real release of tension <laughs> um and again i think that all comes from not all uh, you know obviously her love for doing the physical stuff but also anderson's um willingness to um give her good material good physical material to do in these movies um and i think that's that's clearly reflected again they're not great movies <laughs> but i think um there's clearly uh like a real active and trusting partnership that's on the screen and in those movies that i enjoy 
Yeah, uh, I'm not going to lie. I have uh, yet to see a single Resident Evil or Paul the W.S. Anderson work. So uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have really any comments towards it. But I, I, I do know from the trailers I've seen and from what you've discussed that uh, it's very impressive how much physical action she can do alongside her mm-hmm. husband uh, and just all around. Well, it's, uh, it's impressive. It's it's it is. And it's not something I think a lot of people recognize about her. Like uh, over the weekend, they're talking about how they're trying to reboot Hellboy again. In the last Hellboy movie, she was the villain. And pretty much all she does is stand around and order CG gleep glops to attack Hellboy. And it's like, well, someone. What a waste. Yeah, someone clearly cast her and didn't understand what the Mila Jovovich appeal is. W Paul W.S. Anderson knows what it is. And it's that she will kick your ass. And he leans mm-hmm. into that. So. Um, that's Paul W. S. Anderson and Mila Jovovich, power couple. Um, what? Who? Who do you have next? Uh, so I. It's funny because uh, Mila Jovovich, her one of her first films was Dazed and Confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my pick, my next pick is Kevin Smith and mm-hmm. Joey Lauren Adams. Why are we stopping? Because I can't take this. Can't take what? I love you. You love me. I love you. And not not in a friendly way. Although I think we're great friends. And not in a misplaced affection puppy dog way. Although I'm sure that's what you'll call it. I love you. Very, very simple. Very truly. You are the the epitome of everything I have ever looked for in another human being. And I know that you think of me as just a friend and crossing that line is is, is the furthest thing from an option you would ever consider, but uh, I had to say it. I just, I can't take this anymore. I can't stand next to you without wanting to hold you. I can't, I can't look into your eyes without feeling that, that longing you only read about in trashy romance novels. I can't talk to you without wanting to express my love for everything you are. So they <laughs> didn't marry, but back in the day they were lovers and mm-hmm. she was the like main main star of uh, the main woman in Mallrats and just like the lead lead in Chasing Amy. She's uh, mm-hmm. her name's not technically Amy, but she's who Amy is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like I said they didn't get married, but Kevin Smith in the 90s, I think he was talking with time or life life i don't know why it'd be life probably more time uh and he declared that he loves her and and is gonna marry her so i thought that's uh very interesting <laughs> it was it was definitely even though they didn't get married a um collaboration based through romance mm. and and love mm-hmm. uh and i think unlike my first example um uh this paid off really well she i think is a uh, remarkable actor and uh specifically in the late 90s early 2000s she just i don't know if it was her style or anything but she just fits perfectly into the slacker scene and you know those days mm-hmm. um and i personally love chasing amy um i, I no no because jason lee at the end he turns out that he's uh he, he's a, a openly gay man at the end so yeah because i do know chasing amy it's kind of weird she's gay and then like ends up with ben affleck i, I get it but um the jason <laughs> lee thing kind of uh takes over that so it's it's not it's okay that she's with affleck at the end Mm -hmm. um 
so yeah, Joey Lauren Adams. And other than Chasing Amy, where she's the main, like I said, there's other ones, Mall Rats. Uh, she's really great in it. She's there's not really like a main lead, but she's as main as uh, a woman uh, can be as the lead in Mall Rats. And uh, like I said, she's just a slacker style. It's a cool scene. And uh, it's that one where um, Kevin Smith really uh, starts to fall in love with her. Uh, mm. And it, it's almost noticeable in Mallrats because <laughs> he usually develops his films from beginning to end. And I swear she's in it a pinch in the beginning. There's a slow rise of her till the end, or at least of her meaning and importance in the film. I, so, you know, I think that might be part of it and a reflection of Smith's romance towards Joey Lauren Adams. Uh, I also really respect how and you know it's like i don't know if james cameron would ever be able to work with his ex uh <laughs> but uh kevin smith still has joey lauren adams in his films uh in particular the ones that are very his more modern ones like jay and silent bob reboot that really mm. do uh depend on nostalgia so she comes mm. back as you know Alyssa jones from chasing amy mm. um so yeah i just think it's great she's still doing that and like i said she's perfect for the role she plays you know i don't know if she's like a a renowned actress or anything but um she is a renowned kevin smith film actress she's perfect for the roles uh mm-hmm. also i forget if i mentioned at the beginning but she yeah I, I think i did they both started dazed and confused so uh richard linkletter you did you did good to uh <laughs> two of the three that each of us are mentioning <laughs> start yeah. them off uh yeah she's interesting and um... i i wish that because yeah. I would know more about her. I wish alongside uh, this universe, she did more. But, uh, you know, at least she exists in that. Yeah, she's one of these, like, actresses from the 90s who seemed to be, they were going to be big, like Gretchen Maul and uh, Natasha and Gregson Wagner, and then yes. just don't get big for whatever reason. Yeah, it's uh, too bad. She was in yeah. this year's, uh, or uh, late last year's Rebirth of... Uh, the L word, so that was good. But uh, other oh, than that, okay, that is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Uh, Mina Savari is another good example of that. She was uh, yeah the, back in the uh, kind of um, Bond bro stoner film days. Yeah, and a lot of that, of course, had to do with uh, Harvey Weinstein blacklisting her because exactly, exactly, stuff. yeah. So yeah. All right, so my second pick, actually, kind of also nineties era. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, Joel Cohen and Francis McDormand who are married. And um, again, I'm focusing on Fargo, but um, she has been in seven other Cohen brother joints, including Joel Cohen's most recent one, Tragedy of Macbeth, where she plays Lady Macbeth. But in Fargo, it, it does feel like um, that is their film to, to a certain degree. Um it's hard to imagine anyone else playing Mark Gunderson. Um, she is just so good in that. She's so naturalistic. Um, like from the voice, I mean, it, it's a silly accent, but and it could have gone down very silly, but it's it's such a part of her. Um, she she sells that like Midwestern authenticity. You know, they're all from the, the Detroit area in, in Michigan. So, I mean, maybe that's not necessarily a, <laughs> a bit of uh, acting, but yeah, it's just it there's clearly this like very productive, very interesting um I I don't know if she's quite the muse because she she like will fill all kinds of roles in Cohen brother movies. Like she's in ensembles um 
she's in like supporting capacity in you know something like raising arizona for instance um she does cameos like uncredited cameos like she's in barton fink um in an uncredited role and i think she's in miller's crossing as well in an uncredited role and then there are other times where she's like i said part of the ensemble like um burn after reading hail caesar so she this is kind of like outside of the, the first coen brothers movie blood simple fargo is the thing where she takes center stage that the movie kind of rides on her although i don't think i don't think marg's in it till about 20 or 30 minutes in um <laughs> so that's another interesting too like she pops in and then it's all about her and uh yeah there's a real back and forth i think she probably provides a lot of good sound advice about the creative directions behind the scenes because this does seem like a the, the whole cohen clan is this filmmaking family because ethan's partner trish cook is an editor on a lot of the the cohen brother movies as well so it's a family affair <laughs> oh yeah absolutely uh my apologies if you already mentioned it but lady Macbeth, right she is remarkable in that yeah uh, yeah. yeah and by him too by the old cohen's so um yep well joel well i love uh yeah yeah joel joel yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, come on, Coen Brothers. They're, they're you know they're the same. It's, they're together. It's like it's like the Wachowskis. It's, they're they're together. It's the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's the I don't watch their films. I'm not Christian, but there's like those Christian brothers that like direct all those you know uh, Christian banners. It's, you know they're they're like one person. It's just kind of the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's although you know, the Wachowskis like the Coens are in this like separation stage right now. Oh no, drama. They're off doing different. I don't know if it's drama. I think it's just you know maybe these sometimes partnerships reach their limits. But I I think the Cole the 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 Joel and and um Francis partnership I think will persist um as 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 we see that going forward. I I'm not sure at this point um to borrow a phrase from another romantic movie that they can quit each other. It's been <laughs> it's been thirty years so anyway. Why don't you give us your number three? Okay, so I was uh, myself, the uh, Coens and uh, Francis McDormand was uh, one of them, but uh, I decided <laughs> to pull out the good old Judd Apatow <laughs> yeah. and Leslie Mann. Uh, and honestly, I think her roles aren't in depth or anything; they're not deep, but they are perfect for his film. She's just she is just a funny actor just like a regular person and that's what she is in the role she's just a funny mom she is a funny wife and you know i wish she had more uh roles where she's the lead but from Mm. what she's in in the judd apatow she is absolutely uh a wonderful she her comments her dialogue her slapstick bounces off (laughs) always with the you know main uh, antagonist the main male lead uh and <laughs> the this is 40 isn't that great in my opinion it's not of a high quality film mm. uh and the bubble was mediocre but i actually found her character in the bubble was uh very funny very funny not um just the antagonist partner or anything actually just kind of uh her own uh social media star funny one very funny one mm. um so, yeah, I, I also think in This is 40, which isn't awful, uh, but This is 40 knocked up as well. I do think it's based around Judd Apatow's love with her. So that's interesting to see uh, come off in the films. And it really does, I think, make it more uh, crisp and real 
Um, I also mm-hmm. think just just a bit more proof that it's not just uh, a director letting you know his his wife on and it being a uh, lucky. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> aside for him, she's also in um, uh, Bottle Rocket. Uh, mm-hmm. She's in, I guess, some. Judd Apatow produced it, but he didn't direct Robert Taylor. And I, as a kid, loved that film. And she is <laughs> hilarious in it. So even before they got married, you know, uh, she had her own scene in the comedy films, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I respect that. And it makes me feel more comfortable loving her roles in Judd Apatow. I think maybe he should not let it be in every single one. It's getting a little out of hand, but uh <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, part of my fault with that, I think the fault with that is is she's not doing um, more, you know, away mm-hmm. from his works. Because I really do think she's funny. Yeah. So yeah, Judd Apatow, Leslie Mann. Of course, it could be noted, too, that she kind of took off when, you know, he took off and he would cast her in his very um, well-known, profitable movies. Um, although, she, you know, she did. She was in Cable Guy. Yeah, Last Man Standing, um, too. She was in Big Daddy um so i mean she was in in the orbit let's say but you know it's it's kind of funny that they they did kind of take off at the same time Mm -hmm. uh you know and maybe that's some of that alchemy uh that you know we sometimes see in these couples all right uh for my last pick i flirted with doing ghost can't do it which is uh john derrick directing his wife bo derrick in uh, in, in a film uh, that has since become best known for uh, Donald Trump in a literal co-starring role as himself, but uh, slightly less well known for being a movie about uh, a, a man who uh, dies and his ghost tries to um, get his his wife to find love again with a with a new suitor. Um, it is as bad as it sounds, but <laughs> I, I I relented because I I did want to find a female director um and and an acting partner and it, it was harder than i thought it was surprisingly hard i thought well what about barbara streisand surely she had directed either elliot gould or or james brolin and she didn't she did direct her son jason gould though he was in the mirror has two faces in a small role but uh yeah that's no. nepo different yeah well yeah, well, maybe I don't know. Uh, it's been a while since I saw Mirror Has Two Faces, so I don't really remember him. Um, so I went with Maggie Gyllenhaal, director of the last, the the Lost Daughter, and Peter Skarsgård. And you may be forgiven if you forget that Peter Skarsgård is in the Lost Daughter um, because he doesn't have a huge role. He plays. Um, you see in the flashbacks, Olivia Coleman plays this woman who's on vacation. She sees this woman with a young family and she sees herself in, in this woman's life. And you see in flashbacks where the younger version of the Olivia Coleman character is played by Jess Buckley, who is this um, professorial figure who is struggling with being a mother. She doesn't feel confident in her skills as a mother, doesn't want to be a mother. And she eventually runs away with this other professor who is played by Peter Sarsgaard. And again, it's a very small role, but it's interesting that, and maybe it's just like Maggie throwing him a bone or something. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Not that maybe Peter Sarsgaard needs to get thrown a bone, but um, it's interesting that he's in the film as essentially this force that gives the main character permission to be a bad mother and to run away from home for three years. Um, so, I mean, that may be a statement about how she views his uh, uh, sex appeal. I don't know. Or how 
<laughs> or how maybe she views him as perhaps a predatory presence in his in her life in some way. I don't know. But it is interesting. And uh, it, I, I mentioned this also just to highlight the fact that it's it's hard to find a relationship where there's a female in charge and there's a, 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 a male partner who is doing the acting side of this. Um, you see a lot of go through a lot of like big name directors and you look at their spouses and they're like powerful people who are maybe in the movie industry, but are in like different capacities. Like they're in, you know, composing or, or art direction or things like that. But in terms of this very specific, like power dynamic relationship of actor and director, it is hard to find. Um, it, it is hard to find the, the female director and, and male actor partnership. So I just, I yeah, wanted to the like that. The head leader of the film is yeah. Right. More rare. Yeah, and and that could speak to just the fact that there aren't as many women directors or successful women directors as there are successful male directors. But I think it also highlights the the this, the weirdo power power dynamics in Hollywood and the difficulty oh, of changing that. Yeah. Although, yeah, because um, you do get something like Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron, who are both directors, so they're like on an equal par. And maybe, the, of course, that's why that didn't necessarily work. Of course, uh, James Cameron doesn't really seem to work well with anybody yeah. in a romantic well, he doesn't. he also doesn't act he doesn't act right so it's harder mm. to tell if they would uh, work together in that nature true true enough all right well that does it for our our list this week before we go to break i just want to highlight we don't usually highlight like local events on on our show which i feel like is a, a mistake on our part uh as cfru's preeminent pop culture adjacent show i'll just put that out there prove me wrong androids dungeon but uh <laughs> this coming sunday february 26th uh at the river run center it is the guelph concert bands annual gala concert it is um the first gala concert under the speaking of powerful women under the new conductor lauren helmer and the theme is i'm gonna read the the tag here it's embark on a musical expedition starting with our beginnings in space progressing through earth the fantasy world of middle earth the underworld and beyond dress up as your favorite fantasy character superhero or villain and prepare to marvel in all caps mm-hmm. in an epic afternoon of music so uh the show is called monsters mutants and mythology at river run you can get your tickets now if you go to the river Run river run website that is a hard phrase to say um call the box office at 519-763-3000 from noon to four on tuesday through saturday and you can also go there in person from noon to four uh tuesday through saturday to buy tickets in person if you like so yeah that is monsters mutants and mythology at river run the guelph concert bands gala concert of the year it starts at 3 p.m next sunday or this coming sunday i should say so, uh, having done our due diligence for local arts, uh, we will now turn to a commercial break. And we're going to come right back with our review of Somebody I Used to Know. You are listening to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio.
just visiting my old haunts on the off chance I might run into an ex from 10 years ago. How many have you run into so far? I still think about what would have happened if you hadn't left all those years ago. I've been kind of wondering the same thing recently. Like if maybe I made the wrong decision. I haven't felt that free in... I don't even know how long. Sean, honey. Mom, hey. I Ellie? Jojo! Hey, hey. What a wonderful thing for us all to be here. So thank you to the bride and groom for giving us a reason to celebrate. To Sean and Cassidy. Oh, you know what we could have done? I uh, I feel bad. Uh, mm. In 1978, Jan Wagner wrote and directed the film Moment by Moment, which starred her wife, Lily Tomlin. That would have been cool. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Woman director. Also a woman role. So it's not the same, but uh, yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah Mayor Rudolph, Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. And that was a clip from Somebody I Used to Know. It is the new film from co-writer and director Dave Franco. Dave Franco. And it mm-hmm. stars Allison Bree, Jay Ellis, Kiersey Clemens, Danny Putty, Olga Meredith, J- uh, Haley Jewel Osment, and Julie Haggerty. Uh, so, Peter, tell me we didn't just uh, review this for the community reunion. Uh, well, I'm not going to lie. That was definitely a <laughs> part of the reasoning. Uh, her and Danny Putty together, uh, both as like pretty, pretty main was was definitely a reasoning but uh <laughs> no i also um i don't know i like dave franco you know he's an okay guy so i wanted to uh to support that i also um like we did i thought it'd be a, a good discussion you know when the when the star and the director are together mm-hmm. in fame so mm-hmm. um it was also for me it was just a surprise drop i hadn't really done any uh heavy research into upcoming prime video films so it was actually a, a pleasant surprise it had more uh, more in it i liked than than I thought. Yeah, it, it appeared uh, last weekend on on Amazon. Um, interestingly, the same weekend that Your Place or Mine appeared on Netflix, the new uh, rom com with Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. So I guess it was a it was a mode. I mean, I guess pre Valentine's Day. So yeah, that uh, pulled all the attention away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and especially with like that '90s show, right? It's you know we're all, yeah. we've all got we've all got the Ashton on our mind. Yeah, he's he's making a comeback. <laughs> Although, why wasn't Danny Masterson on that '90s? I know why he wasn't on, <laughs> but that's not neither here nor there. Okay, so somebody I used to know. Um, I I have mixed feelings. I thought it was. Uh, I think I probably enjoyed it. I think that it's. Um, I'm not sure it has anything interesting to say. It's not special. It's not special. Yes, that's right. I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure if if Dave Franco and Allison Brie thought they had anything interesting to say because I think it's it covers a lot of well worn ground. I think the interesting parts of it are like where it kind of lampshades my best friend's wedding, which is literally name dropped in the film um, because there's one point where the bride. Cassidy, played by Kiersey Clemens, says, "You're not here to my best friend's wedding, this are you?" <laughs> yeah, I, I also think it's trying to show, and as people who both like, you know, like live and, and work in Hollywood, it makes sense um, that even if there's a flaw in your Hollywood life, or for any viewer, what their current life is like, 
of course, all you're going to think about is the positives from the past. And that mm. doesn't mean you should go back to it. You know, if you're not liking some small thing about the present and like you go back to, to town or whatever, you see the positives, you're going to overanalyze those positives and you're mm -hmm. going to, some people just go back to the past, you know, and I, I think it dealt with that in an okay way. Uh, I think it was definitely too for the LA people who are, who are want <laughs> maybe back to a, uh, use figure quotes, more real lifestyle. But uh, mm -hmm. I think you can also analyze it in a broader way of, you know, uh, getting homesick and that mm. not necessarily meaning it's back home you should go it's not um, it's, it's not necessarily I, original thought though i think no no that's been in a ton of different films before no yeah. it's just it, it's exactly what it is it's a, a romantic comedy that uh gives like a small couple of important themes but ones that have been done many times mm -hmm. um yeah there's even been hallmark christmas ones where like some will come back to town for the first time <laughs> and you know maybe like find their love but realize no, no no that was my love back in the city you know that there's it's existent it's very existent um, i did see a couple of comparisons online to saying this was a hallmark movie with better actors and I, i'm not that's sure the that's thing. Yeah, it was great acting it was great acting that's that's well, there's some pretty I, I, good actors in those hallmark movies but I, they're not called upon to do to do much is the thing so i just well, actually, i want to give respect I, uh, to the hallmark guys and and ladies <laughs> yeah that's true that's true um uh luke mcfarlane right from bros he's a hallmark yeah. regular and he's a great oh, actor yeah. so yeah oh, you're yeah. right um i found the uh structure of this one maybe a bit better i, I feel like there was definitely a good uh, look into all the people in the small town so kind of giving some life to it um mm. allison brie uh ally uh her mother <laughs> you know um her best friend from childhood danny putty uh was great community um <laughs> Haley joel osmond her i guess uh her uh jay ellis sean the main other main lead his brother his brother uh, yeah. Haley joel osmond was was very funny in it i thought um mm, i thought he was doing like i thought they gave you know to improv no it's just with all his pop culture references and with danny putty standing right there all i can think of was like oh they made him the abed oh uh, okay whereas yeah okay <laughs> that's fair it's like it would be too obvious if we gave Danny Putty all like the like constantly referring back to movies and TV shows. Yeah. Um it it just it it seemed a bit bizarre. It's he's talking about Battleship. It's like it's like that movie Battleship. It's like, you know, Danny Putty is standing ten feet over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never I never thought about that. <gasps> I I guess Danny Putty did such a good job with Benny that I wasn't even viewing Benny as danny putty so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no i he's he's good i i liked i liked him a lot uh he's the most like woke of all of them he's the most wise and he's the nicest and everything and but he's funny too he's good the, the mustache is doing great work um <laughs> i think it looks great <laughs> it looks a bit off like, like him having a mustache looks a bit off because yes it's like baby face but uh, i guess yeah but it's like ted lasso it's starting to come back that kind of you know dad stash sort of thing the dad stash it's yeah, very, yeah it, it yeah, makes yeah. it's very warm and, and humble but also masculine mm -hmm. yeah I, I i like danny putty was very very good and um as as sort of this like go between who's you know trying to navigate all sides i did think the yeah stuck in the middle yeah, stuck in the middle. I think I think Jay Ellis was uh, the Sean character was kind of underdeveloped. We don't really yeah, get it. There wasn't really much depth in him at all. We don't really get like a sense of of, of him, and and a lot of what we learn about him is through other people, which you know I guess fair, but it it just feels like he doesn't have much of an animus aside from like 
it, it feels like he, it's through him that the two female leads are connecting the Alison Brie character and the Kiersey Clemens character. Like I, I found those scenes interesting because it's it doesn't feel like one of these traditional rom-com tribes it's like oh they're fighting over a man it's it the man is like the MacGuffin that sort of brings these two women together as they're trying to figure out their own stuff out like that stuff i found interesting oh that was very very well done uh Kier- uh clemens cassidy cassidy and alia had a great um relationship mm-hmm. the one bar scene where they sit together and have a talk is is really great and the uh <laughs> uh right by the end the uh, their hotel room uh, mm. discussion and, and I guess sleepover uh, is, is <laughs> it's really really well done yeah mm. there's uh, I guess it further shows the flaws of Sean's character but Cassidy mm-hmm. got a surprising amount of um, uh, depth she was given a lot of depth and a lot of uh, we were given a lot of information about her and, and it was really well done um, contrasted well with uh, with Ali's character mm-hmm. Kiersey yeah, Clemens very different, is another... but the, the more they talk, they realize like they got some similarities and, uh, you know, when it comes to what is home, you know, uh, yeah. where do we go next in, in our life in the art realm? Yeah. Kiersey Clemens is one of those actors. I feel like we haven't given a lot of, mm, I don't know. I don't know if it's, Oh, you because... know what? We actually, I forgot she was in uh, Zack Snyder's justice league. So we've actually yeah. reviewed one of her films. Yeah, and she's going to be in The Flash, too, um, which go. is coming up later this year. She was also in Dope. I, like Her first big movie was Dope, which I love and have talked about this. But she's also been in like uh, The Only Living Boy in New York, where she was really, really good. It, just, it feels like she should have been noticed already, and she hasn't been noticed. Um, mm-hmm. So she keeps like doing these like kind of smaller roles where she's like down the, 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 the cast list, like down to th- three or four places which is a real shame because i i think she's um i think she's really really great i haven't seen her be bad in anything no uh, no absolutely not she might have actually like been my favorite in this film um her or danny putty i would say <laughs> yeah 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 no uh, I, also she's gonna be in the flash so it's weird i i kind of hope it doesn't do well because of obviously you know ezra but uh, <laughs> i want her to succeed too right so mm-hmm Oh, tough stuff tough yeah tough no she deserves uh more attention than she's she's yet to receive uh i i i agree yeah and um yeah the i i do like now as we're kind of talking about it i i think i'm finding a bit of a a, a groove in this it, it's it's interesting that somebody i used to know is kind of halfway between my best friend's wedding and in terms of like some of these big emotions and and I guess the theme of you know a, a woman being upset that their significant other is marrying somebody else, but their former significant other. It also reminded me a lot of a movie maybe people aren't too familiar with um, that came out in the late '90s, uh, "Beautiful Girls," which was a Ted Demi film, um, which is also about like somebody coming home. I you know again, there's a lot of movies about somebody coming home, but it's also this ensemble piece where. Um, it's kind of more of on the drama side than the comedy side, but it's about, you know, the past not taken and, you know, where do I go from here? And life hasn't turned out quite what I expected it. it so somebody I assume is kind of halfway between the two. It, it's got this um, kind of, it, it's not that it doesn't have this kind of glossy cinematography, like a lot of rom-coms have. It, it doesn't feel glassy. It feels very kind of earthy in that way, but at the same oh, time, absolutely, it's more it's, a comedy drama than a romantic 
comedy or whatever. It's a mm-hmm. uh, you actually mentioned Beautiful Girls, and it it is a titled as a romantic comedy drama, whereas mm-hmm. somebody I used to know, it seems just a uh, romantic comedy. But I, I thought maybe not even drama, but more uh, subtle elements of cinematography and theme that um, many dramas do. Yeah, and you know, it's all about somebody coming back from the big city to their small town, and uh, the the intricacies and the characters, and you know, th- this sort of set timeline. It's like I have seventy two hours to figure things out, and yeah. um, before I'm on to the next thing, and it may be my last chance to sort of ch- change course and steer course or or whatever. It's um, th- there's a lot of that going on. What what I find interesting about it is that. Um, like we said, it, it does focus on sort of like the female side of the relationship. The the, the male side is somewhat negligible. It it does, which is interesting because um, it does. Maybe it does. Maybe it's starting to feel like even though Dave Franco's the director, maybe Allison Brie wears the pants in that relationship. But um, mm-hmm. well, and she had a, a strong role in the writing, so mm-hmm. I think that that definitely comes off well. Mm-hmm. The thing that irks me, there were little things that irked me. Um, the repeated instances where Allie would come home and her mother would be in flagrante delicto and she would have a, a a tiff about it, which is kind of weird considering her interest in um, naturalism or nudism. You know, you would think, you know, someone who would be interested in, in, in that wouldn't be quite the prude if discovering that her single mother was having a, a, a sexual relationship. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, uh... Yes, although me like you totally seems right. like a wasted just, although, use of Julie Haggerty. So. Although like na- naturalist and everything, naturalist, it's like it, it's not really attached to sex. So sure, sure. I can kind of see her, but it still does. It still is mostly uh, most of the time. You have, of course, a more liberal uh, mindset, <laughs> including towards nudity, which is a part of sex. So I didn't really think about it at the time, but you're right. That was kind of strange how uh, much that bothered her. I mean, and there's also, also just like I it's... think the uh, I think her uh, the nudism, naturalism, whatever you you know you want to term it, should have been uh, uh, mentioned more, kind of throughout. <laughs> not not like to a heavy matter, but like a, a couple more times. It was mentioned in the beginning and then kind of the end. There wasn't like a sprinkle throughout to um, make it even more cool. The the ending, which I don't want to spoil, but yeah, uh, it's it's an interesting detail um, because it, it you don't is, want to take it... away from romance either. No, well, I was going to say it's an interesting detail because it's apparently an interest of Allison Breeze and the IRL, um, but also just because of <laughs> because of like recent you know discussion about you know the lack of you know um, sex and nudity and in, in movies these days how it seems to be kind of even more taboo and um, mm-hmm. puritanical no, than than it used to be. In, in this film. actually. Yeah, yeah, and this actually portrays it in a like a positive way. It does kind of push yeah. more of a, a liberal view towards it. I, I find it funny. This is, um, I, I think CFRU ninety three point three FM makes it to a bit of Flamborough. Do you know? <laughs> uh, if so, you know, if you're listening, it's not a heavy part, like I said, but Flamborough. If you're listening, nudism is is uh, heavily promoted in it uh, in a positive <laughs> way. So check it out. Well, I mean, with the internet, CFRU can go anywhere. Um. The, the the thing of the whole thing with the mom and uh and that and all that the mom is, wasn't needed the mom wasn't needed i thought we would get so much more from her but they didn't really just, ever end up having like a yeah. major talk or at least one i thought would be as uh emotional you know that i thought would be more emotional 
yeah, there had to be a bit more to because it, it just felt it, it felt so silly to keep going back to like my mom is having sex. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, that's I guess the moment's just the comedy, but it's weird yeah. because the little the theme of the like it's the film's all about her being homesick, coming back, and that kind of question of whether she should stay. And like, what, her mom is, of course, a major part of that. So yeah. her just being a goof was, yeah, a bit a bit strange. Yeah, that that felt a bit off. It felt like Julie had a bad was... film direction. So that's on you, Dave. That's on you. <laughs> yeah fair enough i mean it just it feels like something sort of silly and over the top and like there's some things about the movie that are kind of smart like the whole concept of dessert island and you know this it's it sounds like a stupid reality show that's coming soon to netflix um the whole thing with like season four the dessert locker yeah (laughs) my unorthodox life is actually of a high quality so just don't bash that one (laughs) Okay, fair I enough. like it. <laughs> but the 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 dessert locker where um the, you have to figure out which cupcake explodes. Um, it, I I appreciate that this was that this was gonna scheduled for a re- jab at that. Yeah, it was scheduled for release before Jeremy Renner had his accident, but still, I think that was <laughs> it was pretty on point. I I expect to hear about the dessert locker any day now and exploding cupcakes and. <laughs> It's it just it feels too stupid to be true or it's too stupid to be false or or however you want to put that, but uh, it it I mean there are smart things like that in in there um, along with sort of like the 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 silly stuff and to my to my surprise and delight, Leavenworth Washington is a real place. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I wonder if any of the film was filmed there. I think that's a good question. I think I saw somebody online say that the the when they were doing the pub crawl at the beginning that that was Leavenworth. Otherwise, it was mostly filmed in po- the Portland area, Portland, Oregon. So not even in Washington, but still, that's cool. It's not just like a Cali studio set. Uh, it felt real. It felt very real. The uh, more, yeah, I guess Midwest or or just uh, Northwest kind of <laughs> geography. I I had to look it up. I had to find I had to find out if it was for real because it. And again, because it had the silliness with the the mom um, having sex stuff, it's just like really yeah, this is this is a small town in Washington State where they've made it look like a German village from like you know <laughs> the pre-industrial revolution. Okay, movie, and it turns out to yeah. be a real place, which um, is was an actual thing uh, that they I think they did in the if I remember correctly from my my reading my reading after I did watching the movie that uh, the the chamber of commerce there decided in the 1960s they're going to turn this the 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 city center into this like legit Bavarian village that would be a, a center of like tourism and festivals in there and it turns out that it it worked and it is a real thing it definitely and, sounds uh, familiar yeah, which you know, and I, I, I got a question for our listeners in Kitchener. Uh, are you going to take that? <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> and honestly, I don't know if they will. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's interesting that um, it, it turns out to be a real place. And as for somebody I used to know, um. Which is also a song title, if that sort of ah, somebody that I used to know. Yeah, slightly different. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even surprise me if it was called somebody that I used to know. And Goatee's like, no, nah, you're gonna have to, gonna have to pay me for that. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> What's interesting is like I don't think was the song used in the movie at all. Do you remember? Because I don't. No, think it was. no, it wasn't. That might have been. Since it does have a bit of drama in it, that might have been a bit too over the top because they've already got mm-hmm. her doing like a freestyle. So, but she literally says the, the 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 name of the movie in there too. She says like she mentioned oh, yeah. something about somebody I used to know. She says the title. Yeah, then honestly, it might be just like legal thing. It, yeah, maybe titles don't have the same sort of protections under yeah. Gotia, heavily fiscally conservative individual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true too. And I guess Semi Charmed Life, which is a song that's actually featured prominently in the movie, probably would have <laughs> would have belied the tone Dave Franco was going for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Any final thoughts about somebody I used to know? Yeah, I just wanted to say, even though it definitely has a lot of flaws like we discussed, mm-hmm. uh it's like not even two hours and it, it's it's a happy film. Hundred minutes. Happy. It's got some real earth to it, like we mentioned. Mm-hmm. um i'd say like if you have a partner it's, it's good for that if you like roms it's a high quality one but overall not like a high quality film mm-hmm. um yeah i i also oh yeah um uh the pacing was good i thought it, it was actually some of my mm-hmm. favorite parts where i would say in the last uh the last third post uh climax so that's you know that, that's a good it's a good point right there to put out but uh mm-hmm. overall mm-hmm. you know just watch it if you have time and you have prime don't go out of your way to to give it a view how long have you been working on if they if you have time and if you have prime oh it's just natural it's just natural to me <laughs> oh i do not believe you just I'm pulled that out of your hat i'm a natural poet i think i think you've been sitting on that for five years of the show <laughs> <laughs> all right that's it for this week's show we hope you liked it if you want to listen to us again you can find us on our website at endcreditsradioshow.com you can download it from the guelph politicast channel every friday on podbean or through your favorite podcast app at apple stitcher google TuneIn, and spotify and speaking of spotify you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on end credits just open up spotify and search for end credits on cfru to find that playlist you can find us on social media, too. We're on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show, and we're on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Peter, where can people find you out there on the internet? As per usual, Mr. Tarak on YouTube and Twitter. Alrighty, and I will be back here tomorrow at 5 p.m. for News and Politics on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. That's at 5 p.m. here on CFRU. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson. Or check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus, and Community Radio. We shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another edition of End Credits. And we will see you then.